Welcome everyone once again to our second last week of our series called Engulfed. And I just want to give you a heads up as we end next week. We have something really special planned. You do not want to miss out on next weekend. And you know at New Life Church when we say something special, we always deliver. And so I just know next week you are going to be incredibly blessed as we wrap up this entire series. But for today, I want to ask you this question. What do you desire? What do you long for? What do you hope for? What do you want in this life? You know, as we go through life, there's so many things we end up desiring, right? And I realized this week, a lot of those happen to start with a P because we desire people and position and power and possessions. Some of you desire what someone else has. Some of you desire what you used to have. Some of you desire what you don't yet have. But where does this desire come from? How does desire happen? Well, it comes from this belief that something or someone will be good to you, that something or someone will bring you satisfaction or give you some kind of pleasure or be good for you and your life. There's this belief and that belief causes desire. When you look at something or someone and you say, that is good, that that will bring me pleasure, that will bring me satisfaction, then suddenly desire comes up in your heart. For example, when I look at this little gift filled with biscuits and licorice and chocolate bars and Ferrero Rochos, let me ask you today, is there anyone in this church who would like this? You can just raise your hand. Okay, quite a few of you. Wow, okay. Why? Why would you want it? Why would you desire it? Well, it's because... There's a part of you that believes that something in this packet is going to bring you satisfaction. You better believe it. (laughs) So something in this packet is going to bring you some form of pleasure. Right? And so because you believe it's good and you believe it's going to bring you satisfaction and pleasure, now you want it. Now, there's a bunch of you that didn't lift your hands. Why? It's because you have trained yourself to believe that there is nothing good in this packet. That the last thing you want to invite into your life is more temptation, more calories for the hips and more cholesterol for the arteries. And so you look at that and you think that is not good for me. And because you believed it's not good, you have a lack of desire. Do you see how desire works? It's based on your belief of whether something or not is good. Now, scripture actually speaks about desire. Paul, when he's teaching on the Holy Spirit, speaks about desire. And he says this in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we're going to read the first verse. It says this. But you should also desire. Everyone said desire. Desire. What should you desire, church? You should desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives. Now, let me remind you. In this series, we've already seen that every Christian has been commanded to be baptized in the Holy Spirit just like we've been commanded to be baptized in water. And with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you are baptized in the Spirit, the Spirit can work supernatural giftings through you, give you supernatural special abilities. That is what Paul is talking about here. And he's saying, I want you to eagerly desire, I want you to desire the special supernatural abilities that the Spirit gives. Why? Because the Spirit is good. God is good, and if the Spirit is good, 
And every good gift that comes from him is good because God is good, then his gifts are good. And if we believe they're good, well, then wouldn't we desire them? And if we're not desiring the special gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, it's because we've come to the belief that those gifts are not, in fact, good. If we don't desire, if there isn't desire in your heart for those special abilities, it's because you don't believe that there is pleasure and satisfaction and goodness in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And why wouldn't you believe that? Why wouldn't we believe that the gifts from the Spirit are good? Well, it's because over the years there has been confusion and there has been some damage done and there has been some debate and there have been churches that have split over these theologies and these beliefs. In fact, I think the gift of the Spirit that has been the most debated and misunderstood caused the most amount of division and confusion has got to be the gift of speaking in tongues. Now, I want to say this, church. If the gift of speaking in tongues is from the Holy Spirit, it's good. It's a good gift. And if it's a good gift, we should desire it. And so I want us to look at this gift for a little bit today. Hopefully clear up some confusion. And my hope and prayer is that as you leave today that you would desire this gift because you believe it's good. Why is it good? Because it's from the Spirit who only gives good things. That your belief in its goodness, in its pleasure and satisfaction would increase as I teach so that you could see it and say, I want that gift from the Holy Spirit because it is good. So let's look a little bit at speaking in tongues. Now, I know the word tongues can bring like a lot of confusion and it seems to be like all this mystery around it. But really, in reality, the word tongues is something we use all the time. Even outside of Christianity, we refer to tongues. For example, if I met you and it didn't sound like English was your first language and I wanted to know what language you grew up with, I would actually ask you, hey, what is your mother tongue? What am I asking you? What's your home language? Because the word tongue just means language. We know that outside of Christianity and church, sometimes when we come into the church, we think, oh, there's some other meaning. No, the word tongue just means language. In other words... When we're talking about speaking in tongues, we're talking about the language of the Spirit. The language that the Spirit of God can give you. And as we look in Scripture, we see there's actually two types of speaking in tongues that He can give you. Not just one, but two. The first type of speaking in tongues is actually speaking in another earthly language. Look at someone and say, speaking another earthly language. This means that someone speaks in tongues and they're unaware that what they're saying is actually speaking in another earthly language. And someone else in the room who speaks that language understands them. In fact, church, when the gift of tongues is first given, this is the first expression of tongues. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the disciples, it's this version, this type of tongue that's given to the disciples. And those who heard the disciples speaking in tongues heard it in their own language. I mean, let's just look at it. I love referring to Scripture. I love us to see where it is in the Bible. So let's look together in the book of Acts chapter 2 from verse 5. It says, At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. 
And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. And they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. I mean, these are people, they're from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, and Melilites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phygria, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and yet we hear these people speaking in our own language, the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What could this mean, they asked each other. Okay, this is like way before Google Translator, by the way, right? What happened is the disciples got up in the power of the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, and what they were saying was actually other languages. And people, the people from the other cities, the people who spoke those languages understood now the message of Jesus. Now, this isn't a gift that works very often when everyone in the room understands the same language, because there's no need for that gift. But still to this day, there are still reports to this day of people who go to places where no one speaks that language and no one is able to communicate the message of Jesus. And there's someone who prays or speaks in tongues and those who are there understand now the message of Jesus. The Holy Spirit preaches on their behalf. They speak in another earthly language. And you better believe that this kind of gift, first of all, it's for public use, this version of speaking in tongues. But secondly, this becomes a sign to the unbelievers. I mean, imagine I came in here and started pre uh, praying in tongues and there's a Chinese person and I've never spoken Chinese in my life. And they're like, oh, is that what Jesus is about? I believe in Jesus, right? I mean, it would be a sign to the unbelievers. So this kind of supernatural version of speaking in tongues becomes a sign to unbelievers about the power and the awesomeness of God. Now, that's not the only version of speaking in tongues we see in scripture. There's a second version. The second version of speaking in tongues is when you speak in an unknown heavenly language. Look at someone and say, it's unknown and heavenly. <laughs> Scripture again speaks into this plenty. In fact, if you really want to explore the gift of speaking in tongues, I want to encourage you to go study the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. That chapter, man, it really dives into this topic beautifully. So there's some homework for, for those of you who were one of those kids in the class who loved homework. You'll be happy today. I'll give you some homework, okay? Go read 1 Corinthians 14. Go study it. But for the sake of time, we don't have the time to read the whole chapter. I'm going to pull out some really important verses. And let's have a look at what the Bible says about this gift of speaking in an unknown heavenly language. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 from verse 2. It says, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it'll all be mysterious. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, and I don't understand what I'm saying. Church, clearly this is very different from the gift that was poured out on the day of Pentecost when many people could understand what was being said. This version of tongues, speaking in an unknown language, is when you speak the language of the Spirit and no one understands. It says, not even you understand, and no one listening to you can understand what's being said. People don't understand, and not even your own mind can comprehend what's being said. You might think, as you're praying in tongues, that perhaps you're praying into 
a certain situation or you're praying in tongues over a certain issue or you're praying over a certain person and you might be, but actually you just don't know. You don't know what you're praying. You're, being, you're praying under the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. You don't know what you're praying. Scripture goes on to say, let's read together in verse four. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Everyone say strengthened personally. But anyone who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. And here Paul starts to show us how the gift of speaking in tongues in an unknown language is so different from the other gifts. All the other gifts are given for the church. The gifts of prophecy and words of knowledge and healings and miracles and faith and revelation and all these things are given to help other people. The gift of speaking in tongues in an unknown language is unique and that it's given to you to strengthen you. Some translations will say it edifies you. It's almost like plugging your spirit in and getting a bit of a spiritual recharge. Have you ever felt spiritually drained or stagnant or stale? Well, the gift of speaking in tongues has the ability to strengthen your spirit. It strengthens you. Paul says because it's just for you and not for everyone else, it's not the most important gift. Because his heart is always for other people. His heart's always to build the church. But it doesn't make it not important. It's a special kind of gift because this is one that strengthens you personally. And you might be listening to this and you might be thinking, well, if New Life Church, you know, believes and teaches and speaking in tongues, then why don't I hear it? Well, why, do, why are we not hearing it? Why didn't I hear it this morning in worship? Why is Ryan not praying right now in tongues? Well, it's because... Scripture gives us some strict guidelines when it comes to church meetings. In fact, we see that this gift of speaking in tongues is primarily for my personal prayer time. But it can be used in public under strict conditions. Let's have a look at the condition that Scripture says. Let's read from verse 5. Paul says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, and I just want to echo that. This is such a good gift. I wish that you could all speak in tongues. He said, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Paul is saying here, listen, when you're speaking in tongues, people aren't going to understand you. So rather prophesy to strengthen them. Or if someone speaks in tongues publicly, let there be an interpretation. What is that? An interpretation of tongues is another kind of spiritual gift where someone can hear tongues that only God understands, but they get the interpretation. They get the message of what that person prayed, and they speak that out. He goes on to say in verse 18, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But, everyone say but. He says, but in a church meeting, guys, it's different. He says, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Even so, if unbelievers, it's one group of people, or people who don't understand these things. So not just unbelievers, but also Christians who don't understand this. If they come into your church meeting, and they hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you are all crazy. Can I get an amen? So he says, no more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time. Someone must interpret what's being said. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid the speaking of tongues. Paul is saying, he's saying, hey guys, I outpray you when it comes to tongues. 
Like I pray more than all of you. But in a church meeting, when there's people and I want to minister to people, it's much more useful teaching them, preaching to them or prophesying them over them because they'll understand what's, be, what's being said. And if you are aware that there's people in your church meeting who either don't believe yet or they don't understand this gift, rather refrain from it unless it can be interpretation. So growing up, I would just want to say, I saw that play out in real time. I had friends and family of friends who went to churches who didn't follow this advice. And they would walk into these church meetings and they would hear these people speaking in these unknown heavenly languages and they would have no clue what was going on. And what would happen is these people would leave these church meetings literally just saying, Christians are crazy. Right, and they, they would be like, I don't know if I want anything to do with that. I don't know if I want to be associated with that kind of craziness. I don't understand what's happening. And Paul is saying, if we are not wise with this, like Paul was wise, if we don't have a heart for the lost, like Paul has a heart for the lost, this gift can actually do damage to the kingdom. And guys, I want to say that is the furthest thing from the heart of God. That, that is not what Jesus wants. He wants to use this gift to build up people and strengthen the church, not to hurt the reputation of the church or Christians. And so... You know, Paul had this incredible wisdom and heart for the lost. We need to carry that same heart for the lost. We need to carry that same wisdom and say in church meetings, if we are aware that there are unbelievers or people who don't understand, and at a church like this church where you guys are like serial inviters and you are always reaching out to the lost, I, there better be people here who don't believe today, right? Then we follow the advice of Scripture, which is why you'll find at a night like Encounter, Right, there's nights of prayer and worship, and we encourage it in the circle groups. We'll use a gift there because we assume that probably the people that have arrived are a bit more mature in their faith. They're Christians. They understand this gift of tongues. I hope this is something happening in your circle groups. I uh, definitely know we encourage it to happen at encounter nights. But on a Sunday like this, where we have a mix of people, if someone came on the stage and started praying in tongues, we would have to follow the advice of Scripture, the command of Scripture, and stop the meeting and say, okay, let's wait now for the interpretation of the tongue so that the whole church can be strengthened, right? And so, I mean, I do hope we would see more and more of people operating in the gift of interpretation because it's actually really needed, and it gives the ability for the gift of tongues privately to become something that we can do publicly, now, maybe you're listening to this, and this is like all brand new to you, and you're thinking, why would God do this? Like, it makes no sense. Why make me like babble an unknown language that not even I understand? What is the point of that? Well, let me break it down to you like this. First of all, if we had to be really honest with ourselves, for those of us who pray, I think we can all admit that our prayers are often not that great. Like, often we pray prayers that are completely inaccurate, Right? I mean, just think about it. How, how often are our prayers just really selfish and all about us and all about our needs? And we're like, God, give me that parking. Not that woman, me, Lord. God, I want that job. I want that promotion. I want the box to win tonight. God, just, you know, like we, we just pray for our, our personal needs. We often pray without any consideration for what God's will is, for what he wants to do. We often pray without any consideration of what other people need or what God wants to do in their life. So often our prayers are really selfish and inaccurate. Not only that, but often, if we had to be honest, guys, often our prayers are just too small. 
We pray tiny prayers. Like we forget about the glory and the majesty and the power and the sovereignty and the authority of this living God who's for us and not against us, who can make a way where there seems to be no way. So often we just kind of limit God by our own prayers because we pray for tiny little things when God's like, hey, I can do far more than that. Very, very often we, we tell God what he should do. Like we have the answer in mind and we're like, we're holding like, God, this is a solution. Can I give you some advice? Like, like just our prayers become tiny. We're God, man, he can do impossible things. He, he can do things that you haven't even thought of. He, he can make a way where to you there seemed to be no way, right? And so not only are our prayers often inaccurate and selfish, sometimes just too small. And sometimes, guys, we just don't know what to pray. Have you ever been in that situation? Maybe you've prayed about this so much already. You're like, oh, God, God I don't even know what to say this time. Maybe you've been so crippled by guilt or shame or grief or sorrow or anxiety and, and you're just so overwhelmed by the situation that you literally don't have the words. Ever been there? Well, here's the great news. If I speak in tongues, guess what? I'm speaking the language of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are completely in sync and suddenly my prayers become perfect prayers. I pray now in line with the complete will of God. I pray prayers that invite the full power of God into my life. I don't water him down and I don't limit him by my faith. I pray perfect, connected, in will prayers and I don't even need the words to say I don't need to think about what I'm saying my mind doesn't control this I don't even understand it the Holy Spirit is the one who gives me utterance and I speak according to the Spirit and as this is happening guess what you're doing this whole time you're bypassing you're bypassing the devil you're blindsiding him uh, speaking in tongues is like this secure private line have you ever watched those movies where the president is in the office and there's a red phone and then he picks it up and says, is this line secure? Right? What's he mean? He means, can the enemy listen to this? Can the enemy tap into this? Can I strategize with you? Can I talk of plans with you? Can someone like a spy, can someone get into this line? Guess what's speaking in tongues is church? It's a secure private line to God. Your spirit communicating to the Spirit of God, and the enemy has no clue. <laughs> he can't now defend himself against the strategies because he doesn't even know the strategies. Not even you know the strategies. You can't get in the way of it with your own ego and your own pride and your own wisdom. No, it is completely separate from your own understanding. And now your spirit has this opportunity to speak to God, to strategize, to do spiritual warfare, to pray over your family, to pray over your future, your business, like whatever the spirit deems necessary to speak about, you do that and the devil, he's out of the loop. He can't come against it, he can't plan against it. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it a gift? I look at this and I say, oh, it's just such a beautiful gift. It's something that I desire. It's something that I want, we should want, the gift of speaking in tongues. Now, Perhaps you are, perhaps you're in a place where you're wanting that gift, but there's still some hesitation. And you might be thinking, where is this from? 
Like if it's so good and it's so powerful and it can do so much in my life, like why wouldn't I want that? Well, I just want to acknowledge that if we look at how some churches and some people have, and Christians really have, have, have treated the gift of speaking in tongues, and I think that's often where the damage has come. Because unfortunately, there are many who have taught over the years that the sign that you are baptized in the Spirit is that you speak in tongues. And just that single belief has caused a lot of hurt to Christians. I know Christians who say, but I prayed to be filled with the Spirit, and I didn't get that gift. And then now they're condemned, and they have shame, and someone's like, you did it wrong, and you didn't have enough faith, and you're not yet baptized, and you're only baptized when you are speaking in tongues. And that single belief has put people off. It's given them a bad taste. It's like taking this gift and, and forcing it on me. No matter how good that gift is, when you force it on me, I don't want it. No matter how yummy those Ferrero shows are, when you are forcing them into my mouth and not giving me any choice, I just want to spit it out, right? And so I think what's happened with this gift, why it's become so divisive and confusing is because many good intended Christians have forced this gift on people and said, hey, you're, you're not baptized because we're not seeing this. We're not seeing this gift operate. And we've got to ask the question, where does that belief come from? Where does this understanding that the sign that you are filled with the Spirit is speaking in tongues? Well, I want to show you where some people are getting it from so we can better understand what God has in mind for us all. In the book of Acts, there are five examples of people being filled with the Spirit. Five examples of different instances where people get baptized in the Spirit. But church, only three of those five mention, only three, that the person being baptized spoken tongues, and prophesied. Now, we can say the majority of the time, because it's three out of five, the majority of the time, the evidence that someone was baptized in the Spirit is that they spoke in tongues. But I also want to remind you, this was right at the beginning of the church. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was a brand new thing. And speaking in tongues is one of the only immediate evidences that I've been filled with the Spirit. It's something that I can see on the spot. It's different to a gift of faith or a gift of healing or word of knowledge or revelation. And so very often in the early church, as evidence that the Holy Spirit really is baptizing people, many, majority of the time, they would be speaking in tongues or prophesy on the spot. But we can see as a church matures, Paul starts to address this, this belief that it will happen every single time. Even in Scripture, it didn't happen every single time, only three of the five times. And so as Paul is teaching in 1 Corinthians 14, actually from chapter 12 to 14, you can see him trying to bring in some correction so that we don't force people, this gift, onto people. I want to show you from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 4. Bear with me here. It's going to make sense in a moment. Paul says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Everyone say different kinds. He says, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service. Everyone says, different kinds. But we serve the same Lord. Verse 6, God works in different ways. Everyone say, different ways. Okay, are you getting it? Like Paul's spending three verses. Like he's sitting around with guys, God works differently. There are different services. There's different gifts. God works in different ways. Like he's sitting in the ground, God God does it different for each person. He does it different in different parts of the body. He goes on to say, but the same God does a work in us all. 
Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. To someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. And still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts, and He alone decides which gift each person should have. Do we all get the same gifts, church? Paul's making it very clear. He doubles down at the end of chapter 12 from verse 29. He says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not, he says. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Paul's making it so clear that we don't all get all the same gifts. The Holy Spirit alone decides which gift you should have. But do you desire it? That's a question of the day. Because like the book of James says, if you don't ask, you won't receive. And you have not because you ask not. Do you see it as a good gift? My prayer, like Paul's, is that we would all pray in tongues because it is a gift that strengthens you and can strengthen the entire church, and it is good for us. And maybe you're listening to this and saying, well, if the Holy Spirit alone decides, then what's the point of me asking? Because he's going to decide what gift I get. Well, that's kind of a flawed argument. Let me tell you about what happens in my house with my kids, right? In my house, we have a jar of sweets on the kitchen counter. Now, my wife and I alone decide whether or not they can get those sweets. Does that prevent my kids from asking? Of course not. They ask all the time for those sweets. And they, I want to say, are much more likely to get a sweet if they ask. And if they never ask, they'll probably never get it. And sometimes they ask and I say no. Because in that moment, in my wisdom, it seems inappropriate. And sometimes they ask, and I'm like, yes, it's why we bought it. These are for you. Of course, you can have a sweet right now. But the idea to say, well, it's up to mom and dad, what's the point of me asking, doesn't make any sense in that scenario, and it doesn't make any sense with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit decides which gift you can get, but he tells you to ask. He tells you to desire and so do you desire the gift of speaking in tongues? I believe some of you have been baptized in the Spirit already. And perhaps you've seen other gifts at work, but you haven't yet been baptized. You, you haven't yet received the gift of tongues. I pray today that your desire would increase, that you would see this as a good gift. Now, perhaps you're like, okay, I want that gift. What now? What do I do? How do I do it? Well, I want to say, if you want the gift, don't expect tomorrow to wake up praying and suddenly out of control, the Holy Spirit possesses you and, and you just start speaking in tongues and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Stop, right? I'm not comfortable with this. No, that's not how it works at all. The gift of speaking in tongues works just like all the other gifts. It's supernatural in partnership. Everyone say partnership. 
in partnership with the natural. The supernatural never overrides or controls the natural. It's in partnership with the natural. That's how all the gifts work, church. You are in control. If something that Paul shows us there about the gifts of the Spirit when it comes to church meeting is that the Holy Spirit does not control you and He does not possess you. When it came to a church meeting, Paul said this. He said, hey, be aware of your surroundings. And if it's not appropriate, be silent. And if it is appropriate, take turns. Only two or three of you should do it, all right? He's telling us that we are completely in control of this gift. We choose when we want to operate in it. The Holy Spirit never controls you. He'll never speak through you without your will. That's what the enemy does. He possesses. So how does the Holy Spirit work? Well, we've seen in this series already that he is the paraclete or the helper. In other words, the Holy Spirit helps you to pray. He guides you in your speech. I know when I'm praying in tongues, it's like this unction. I don't know, it's inside of you that just wants to come out and you have to give it permission to speak just like all the other gifts. For example, if I walk past a sick person and the Holy Spirit wants to heal that person, does my hand suddenly go out and like, sorry, 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 like my mouth starts praying for healing? No. I make a decision by faith. I see someone who's sick and I make the choice by faith. I'm going to go lay my hands on them and pray for them to be well. If I have a word or a prophecy or a word of knowledge and I look at you and I say, ah, oh, I think God has this word for you. Does the Holy Spirit possess me and force me to say it? No, not at all. Not even in the Old Testament. It never happens. What happens? You by faith, you have to open your mouth and share what you believe the Holy Spirit has deposited inside of you. The gift of tongues is exactly the same. Those of you who are desiring this gift, here's what I want to invite you to do. If you've been baptized in the Spirit, go spend time with the Spirit. Spend time in a, in a room with Him, just alone. And I want you to pray and ask sincerely for this gift. And you just wait there in the presence of God and you see, is there something happening inside of me? But you have to partner with the Spirit and by faith, open your mouth and speak. Just like I would have to do with the prophecy, just like I'd have to do with healing, you have to, by faith, you make the decision to open your mouth. The Holy Spirit will not do it to you. That's not how the gifts work. Sometimes as people have experienced this, sometimes the Holy Spirit only like starts even with a syllable or a word that you start repeating. It's like a language that you can develop, right? And over the years, you get stronger and more eloquent and you speak more. But it will never happen unless you partner with the Spirit and take a step of faith. And you will never receive it if you don't see it as good. You will never receive something you don't believe in. And you will never receive something you don't ask for. And so how is your desire? Do you see that the gift of speaking in tongues is good because it comes from a good Spirit, a good God who only gives good things, church? I pray that you would all speak in tongues because it's a good gift. Would you have the faith to receive it? Can I ask you to close your eyes? God, I want to pray for your church, your people, who you love so much. Father, we pray for a deepening. We pray, Lord God, for an increase. We pray, Holy Spirit, that your gifts would be alive and well, and just like your word instructs us, that we would eagerly desire the special abilities that you give. With every eye closed, I just want to say this. I believe some of you in the room, you have been baptized in the Spirit.
You've already prayed that prayer. Yet, you're not speaking in tongues, and maybe today you desire it, and you want to ask for it. Well, I want to, by faith, I want to stand with you, and I want to pray for you to receive that gift. And so, if you want me to pray for you, all I want you to do is put your hand up and down so I know who I'm praying for. Wow. Wow. Praise God. Praise God. There's going to be a whole new prayer unleashed here. Love it. I love seeing the desire. That was exactly my prayer for today. Holy Spirit, you have seen everyone's desire. You have seen everyone who has indicated that they would like this gift. And so I pray in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, would you activate this gift in their lives? Father, where they see in their prayer life this ability to speak unknown languages or even sometimes in some cases, God, to speak other earthly languages, would you activate that in their life, God? I pray that there would be a strengthening that they would be able to rely on you and pray perfect prayers to you. God, I pray that you would take them deeper. As they go and spend time with you, Holy Spirit, would you do a real work in their lives? I pray a special blessing and anointing on each and every one of them, Father. And I want to pray, Father, that this would make, be a moment of impact. I pray for every spirit that is downcast and empty and dry. I pray that through this gift, God, may you strengthen your church. May you strengthen your army for service, Father. I pray that we would be plugged in, that we would be edified so that we can do your work better on earth. God, give us wisdom in this gift. We don't want it to cause confusion or division. We want, we want to be wise like your word tells us to be. But Father, make us confident and clear. <laughs> I thank you, God, that you're going to do a new thing in many people's lives. I give you praise for that right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.